Again, footy and frothies risen from the deathbed to talk about rugby league for several hours. Uh, Barney, Dag, and Ollie with you, all fighting various levels of uh, ailments. But uh, we'll soldier on because that's the sort of men we are. Ollie, uh, as you plough through the end of financial year, how are you travelling? I'm travelling well. Through the end of financial year, as you mentioned. Good job. And uh, David, you look like shit. You feel any better? Yeah. Can't believe it's not COVID, mate, apparently. <laughs> All the symptoms of COVID without testing positive. So I'm feeling fantastic at the moment. Last couple of days in the fetal position on the lounge or in bed. So. Oh, heaps good. Any any good movies along the way? I have watched, um, Recording in I watched progress. The Kingsman, the, pre- the prequel and the, and the second one there, so... Spent a couple of hours watching those in the last two days. Oh, The King's Man. Yeah, the, the prequel to the whole thing. I thought thing. that was pretty good. What do you reckon? Yeah, it wasn't too bad at all, I thought. A um, little over the top, obviously, which all the movies have been, but it's just done quite well. I've not seen that one. I've seen the other two, which are fantastic. Yeah. Two thumbs up for the other two, at least. Uh, we probably should talk some news. There's a lot to get into, and we don't know how long uh, various voices may last for the next hour. Uh, let's kick off with, uh, where are we going to start? There's a lot going on here. Uh, let's get the quick stuff out of the way. Judiciary news, anyone? was Rupp and I got two weeks. Uh, the rest were all fines, including, I believe, there's another couple of cannibals. That, um, yeah, perfectly fine. Um, injuries. Ryan Pappenau is in a big one. Looks like the season with a cracked patella. At least I haven't seen an update yet, but not good for him. Uh, Sione Katoa from the Sharks. Uh, looks like a season as well. Cinder's Moses for Sully from the Dragons, which will be season unless they plough to a prelim final spot. Uh, Tupanua from the, the Roosters ACL and Takiaho's out for a few weeks with a shoulder injury, which puts a kibosh on them, I suspect, their chances at least. Uh, and is there another big one I'm missing? Um, no. Uh, any thoughts on anything? Well, Papenhaus is massive, obviously. Um, they looked a different team. When, as soon as he went off the field, their attack just didn't look the same. Nothing nothing like it, actually. The halves ended up getting forced to do a lot of it themselves, and um, <laughs> he got covered up pretty quickly. Uh, Katoa, obviously, is not, not great. He's been a good finisher for the Sharks this year, but I'm sure they've got um, they've got one or two blokes in the background there that should be able to... They're not going to, you know, cover him completely, but they'll cover his spot for the time being. You've got your other centre coming back at some point, eh? I can't think of his name now. Talakai's back this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, so um, it yeah. looks like Tracy will go out to cover um, Katoa this week. Isn't, isn't Matty Cavalli still milling around in... Yeah, he's still in the background somewhere, but they've, they've put Tracy in this week, which is, I guess, um, a nod to his last two performances the last two weeks. He's been really good. So. Yeah, it's been good, actually. Uh, signing news. <coughs> we'll start on the field first of all. Uh, Zach Wolford, James Schiller, Ata Mariota and Matt Frawley all re-signing with the Raiders as they shore up their stocks. Anthony Milford's confirmed to be heading to the Dolphins, leaving Newcastle. Tex Hoy heading overseas to Hull FC, so they're freeing up a bit of cash. I wonder which left-footed halfback they might be searching for there. Uh, the Cowboys re-signed Dunn and Granville for 2023. Josh Alloway is re-signed with Manly for a couple of years. Cody Nicarima as well as, I think we talked about that last week, going to the Dolphins. 
Michael Mollo at the Dragons has uh, been promoted to a top 30 spot. And uh, we've touched on Moylan and Walsh over the last couple of weeks. Did you mention him overseas as well? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. he's off to, off to Hull. Um, I'm just going to pause while we see what happened to Oliver. Extra two years uh, at the Raiders. So he'll be there through 2024. Uh, along with all those players they've re-signed, I guess just, again, shoring up their stocks there. I think they've probably got a set unit now for the next few years. Um, apart from Adam Elliott heading to Newcastle, I think they're, they're looking pretty... Well, they, what you see is what you get for a while. Uh, seems to... Indication seems to be that Cameron Seraldo's into a, about a dollar twenty to be coaching the Bulldogs next year and linking back up with Burton and Kikau and Gus. Uh, so I guess I guess good news for Bulldogs fans, boys. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. We, the whole bringing in of a new coach, especially coached in the NRL before, um, I sort of was a bit tentative as well when it looked like he was going to the Tigers and there were a lot of Tigers fans out there in general who were just sort of excited and saying that they need to sign Serrato because he is the answer. But that's, I think that's where we need to st- take a little step back and go, well, he's done well as an assistant at Penrith so far, but there have been plenty of times in the past where you've seen assistants who have done well or done well in the juniors go to an NRL club and flop. Uh, one of them was at my club not too long ago in Garth Brennan. So I reckon, um, and, and coming from Penrith as well. So I well, reckon it's just as long as you're on for that. O'Brien. Yeah. It's uh, just, Josh, uh, Jason Taylor. Uh, yeah. You can keep going. Yeah. Th- there's a whole list. So I think um, with Bulldogs fans, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a bit of, um, op- a little bit of optimism for the future that he, he might bring a bit of what he brought to Penrith to the Bulldogs, especially with those players there. But sort of, a, I'd be still a bit tentative for one Bulldogs fans. You got to sort of, and I guess it's purely one of those things you got to actually see it in action before you can really start to get excited. Yeah, well, uh, as you say, it's a it's a new trend. It's the same thing that happens in rugby league all the time. Something comes off for one club, and then everyone wants to do the same thing the week after. So, obviously, um. The Fitzgibbon seems to have worked pretty well at the Sharks, so now everyone's looking for the most experienced, um, experienced uh, assistant coach they can find. Um, I can't see it being a bad thing for the Bulldogs. They've they've got a few more issues than coaching, though. Um, obviously, the biggest one we've, we've said many many times is the defensive structure. If they could get that right now that they're scoring some points, they could probably be a handful this time next year. But um, I think they probably lack a little bit of size in and on the edges of their ruck as well. So it's probably something that they'd, they'd be looking at. Um, obviously, kick out there helps, but there's a few different things that he'll need to sort out before anything else. But it'd be a good signing if they can get him. Well, it, the other thing it does give is it's a bit like um, the conversation about the Tigers two weeks back. It gives, it, it just gives you certainty. Okay, we can move on now. It's next. Um, I believe they've got plenty of money to spend, and they got uh, yeah Marnie and Kickow going there. It's you know you've got to, if you're a Bulldogs fan after the last what five years nearly, uh, you're allowed to be optimistic for once. I think. Oh, absolutely. You're a hell of a lot happier than you were three years. The extension of that is apparently Tim Sheens and Phil Gould are having lunch tomorrow, and discussing uh, all sorts of things, including you know potential. Who knows what might come out of that lunch. 
Uh, we'll wait. Swap 10 players. <laughs> yeah, what can couple you go of, Couple of full bellies, I reckon. Well, a bit of succulent Chinese meals, as you've said. Um, and finally, the other big news is um, that Christian Wolf uh, will be go heading to the Dolphins with the view on the Benji deal, with a view to take over from 2025, serve two years under Bennett, and then take over as head coach. So I guess, again, some surety there, and we'll see how these two uh, long-term coaching ploys seem to pay off and what it might mean for for players around the competition who might they might or might not attract, I believe I'm pretty sure Munster will be pretty high on the list in the coming coming you know few months. I guess we'll wait and see. Any thoughts on any of that? Probably a, a bit of a stronger situation for Wolf considering he's um he's coached first grade before, so it, it'll be more just him getting his um you know connections within the club and <clears throat> some connections with the with the uh, the managers that are in and around the game. I would imagine. Um, he could probably take over tomorrow if need be, but um, they've got Bennett there, so I, I can't see that being a bad thing. It's probably they're probably in a stronger position than the Tigers are with Benji not having coached uh, first grade before. But yeah. I, I think it's probably a positive for both clubs. So. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think um, I think it's you know all th- all three clubs are entitled to at least um, have a bit more optimism about themselves. I don't know how many Dolphins fans are really too worried just yet. Exist or exist, yeah, more to the point. Now, anything else we need to talk about? I think so. All right, That's rock and roll round uh, 18 kicked off with the Sharks 26 defeating the Cowboys 12 in what was a tight game for a lot of it. Uh, Barney being under the weather, you do you want to try these stats? Or we might give him a rest for a week and oh, I might just through. cut a few out as we go. Eh? All um, right, give us two a good tries to four, two to the Cowboys, four to the Sharks. Two out of two conversions played four out of four and a penalty goal out of one attempt for the Sharks. 73% completion played 75%. Uh, five line breaks to six. Both teams missed 45 tackles in this one, which is weird for these two sides. Uh, seven offloads apiece. Two force dropouts by the Sharks. 315 tackles played 338. Two ruck infringement for the Cowboys, five for the Sharks. Seven penalties to four and 12 errors to 13. Sharks had a sin bin. Robson made 42 tackles. McGinnis with 40. Hiku with 237 running metres and Rudolph with 166. Uh, Ramian with 99 super coach points. Leilua with 82 and Hines with 80. Um, I thought it was a pretty tough competitive game, realistically. Um, Sharks were on top for the first 20 minutes and then just a big part of their season, the errors crept in. Um, and they missed a few tackles and the Cowboys got back on top. Uh, it compounded with a sin bin for the Sharks, um, just trying to slow the ruck around down way too much um, in an, on their own try line, which is obviously a tactic that they use, which has helped their goal line defence. It was one year, of the but, most, um, um, for that period there, it was one of the most blatant, blatant five minutes attempts there. of doing it. Absolutely. It is. From any team all year. And um, and then the message out of half-time was slow the fucking play oh, no. down it's... even more. I'm like, Jesus Christ, don't get another two sent off. But <laughs> <laughs> especially, yeah, that on their goal line, they, they'd made a point to try and slow the Cowboys down because obviously that's what um, Robson and Drinkwater really feed off is that quick play the ball and running in at the defensive line. But um, I thought their defence again was quite good, especially their goal line of defence, because the Cowboys did throw a bit at them. Um, Sharks were giving, giving them 
too many opportunities again, but that's something they're going to need to fix up. Um, the fact that both teams missed 45 tackles uh, was surprising. Uh, I think it came more from really good. There was some really good um, sparkling attack at times in this game from both sides where they, they got the outside edges of the opposition just completely turned inside out. And, um, obviously that led to a lot of missed tackles, but um, <coughs> oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sharks led at halftime barely, and the, the Cowboys kept coming at them for that first 15, 20 minutes in that second half. But there was just too many errors from both teams for it to really break out and be a high-scoring game. Both teams put, decided that they were going to defend their way to victory, and um, the Sharks probably just had a little bit more, a uh, little bit more attack in them at the end of the game. So, and their goal line defense was good. So, well, the Cowboys' centers caused a lot of problems for the Sharks. Um, Griffin Neem was really good in the 35 minutes he was on the field. Uh, Robson and, and Tamalolo were strong. Chad was okay, but I thought Luciano was probably their best player. Um, he's coming from, from the Tigers, and his ball running was really strong. He broke the line open a couple of times just off his own bat, just running at the centres and the, and the uh, halves there. So I thought he was their best player. I thought Rudolph and Bailey were okay in the middle. Wilton and Finnegan were strong. Uh, but probably need a few more minutes out of their big fellas in Ueli and Fafita and stuff like that because they only sort of played 15 minutes each. But mm. it was enough to get the job done. McGuinness was really good again uh, coming off the bench. Ramey and, and Katoa caused no end of problems for the, the outside defence of the Cowboys. And Nico was really good again. I thought, uh, yeah, look, my takeaway, just quickly on your, your point about the Fords, it, it, when they're going to get dragged into some some big arm wrestles in finals time. I still think they're carrying two bodies. Uh, I thought Toby Rudolph's been fantastic for, for probably, what, a period now since he's come back. Yeah, he, was. Uh, he, was, he was really, really good just again. sort of warming into it. I expect him to play a few more minutes in the next couple of weeks. But, mm. uh, yeah, and the feeder and your Tolmans. Wayne Graham at times have definitely been carried. I actually thought Graham wasn't too bad this game. Uh, last two games has been pretty good. Uh, but I, I think look, I've got the feeling Cowboys, if they were to meet again in a in a in six weeks' time, they would be pretty comfortable in doing so uh, with the cavalry back. I thought, uh, well, at the end of the day, there was one turning point that may ended it with it. <coughs> the um, pardon me, the um, the no try I think was a big turning point in the game, which uh, just sparted out the the Cowboys' momentum there. I didn't think it was. I thought it was one of. Townsend's poorer games, to be honest, for the year, and I think Sharks did really well in rushing Drinkwater. Given they had they had the reduced point of attack, it felt like they just um, were pressuring, and, and Drinkwater struggled a couple of times with last tackle options yeah, in this game. So I think it um, perhaps sent a bit of a template. I agree with you. Luciano was fantastic. It's probably well his best game this year, uh, I would say, barring maybe round one. And um, but they'll they'll head into the back end of the season. I think in a comfortable spot, and um, sharks sharks were good. Sharks could have won by more. Played like shit for a good half hour in the middle there, and um, just came good in time at the end. Ramian's really starting to again another one that's starting to put together a good month of good footy, and really become an attacking weapon that um, the Spruik's been on him for a while. So that they are starting to add a, a few extra consistent points of attack to the team, the Sharks, and and look pretty crisp when doing so. Oh, do you see much of this? Yeah, and I think. 
that um, these two teams can probably feel pretty safe at this point in second and third on the ladder. I feel like the scoreline maybe was even a little bit, um, uh, a little bit too flattering, I guess you could say. And I, it's purely from that, um, that no try, right? Whether, whether the call's correct or not, I'm not going into that, but really um, you could see just that huge momentum swing that Daggy touched on as well earlier. I think that was the big point that that changed the game because if the Cowboys were awarded that try, they take the lead, probably um, have the momentum to possibly go on with it. But what happened was it shifted to Cronulla. Cronulla went down the other end of the field and scored and then managed to sort of, I guess you could say, m- maintain the game and score again to, to realistically put it beyond doubt. What do you make of that decision, Brian? Realistically, they were never going to stop him. Um, to the letter of the law, it's correct, because Robson, once he's, as soon as he's in front of Tamalolo, he's no longer uh, supporting the ball. So you can't actually take a pass off his player. So he's just in the, he's creating interference. Um it was the Sharks' two biggest defenders coming across. They may have been able to turn him away from the try line, but I doubt it. Um, Cowboys would have, should have scored. Um, and then, as Ollie said, I'm pretty sure it was the next set off the penalty. They went down and scored. So it's a tw- the old 12-point uh, momentum swing. It's, it's a massive one, especially in this, this kind of game. But um, to the letter of the law, you can't argue with it. But I'm pretty sure 90% of fans would. Yeah, I, I I think it should have been a try. Uh, it wasn't. Remember how there was just one random round this year where common sense prevailed the whole round? Yeah, uh, there was. <laughs> and then it's like it just disappeared again. It's like eight or nine or something. Yeah, like and they just... Fuck it, I'm they, not even going to check it. It's a try, or, or it was all defensive decisions every time a, a, yeah, a marker yeah. ran into a... Yeah, um, that seems to have disappeared anyway. It, it, it You can't convince things. Uh, comprehensive say it cost them the game, but definitely stop the Cowboys. Uh, I think we've all covered our thoughts off pretty well. well. They didn't really fire a shot after that either. So. No, that was it. That was it. Um, interesting one to do some points on here, Barn. Uh, I assume uh, Ramian and Luciano are leading away for you. I had Nico with the three. I just thought he's kicking game again. And um, he, he was pretty much the catalyst for most of the points that were scored. He was the one given the early balls and his, uh, you know, kicking goals and all the rest of it. But I... I'd more than happy switch, switch Ramian and Nico for the three and the two, and then I had yeah, Luciano with the one. Um, Ollie, I'm happy to leave it with Barney's decision. Yeah, happy with that. Beautiful. For uh, the main event on Friday, I was going to say Friday kicked off, but it uh, was game two on Friday. 28-18, the Parramatta Eels uh, held on against the Plucky Warriors. Uh, do you want to do a few stats here? Anyway. Parramatta 28, Warriors 18. Five tries to three. Four out of five conversions for Parramatta played three out of three for the Warriors. 80% completion played 76%. Three line breaks to five. 19 tackle busts for Parramatta, 17 for the Warriors. Six offloads to five. Four force dropouts for Parramatta, one for the Warriors. Uh, four ruck infringements to three. Seven penalties to three. 11 errors to 13. Mahoney made 37 tackles, Torhu Harris with 44, Sivo with 183 metres, and Anua Blake with 196. Penasini, oh, sorry, Supercoach points, Torhu Harris with 96, Papalini with 82, and Mahoney Arnie with 77. I thought, um, I thought for a good well, 45, 50 minutes this game, Warriors were in this contest. Uh, they were good. Their, their back three was, was very good. 
Aitken, Toru Harris is back to his was back oh, to yeah, his best. Outstanding, and Curran as well. I don't get. I uh, I guess he's probably still a bit busted, but I don't get the the starting for Noah Blake off the bench, but um, produced some massive numbers in doing so. Um, look, I guess if for Sean Johnson to be any hope in this competition, he needs to just play New Zealand from now because he was pretty average uh, for a lot of this game, and. Um, but I, I thought I was pretty impressed by the effort from the, the Warriors forwards, and they kept this uh, in the game. I thought ultimately the difference, though, was um, the two class players here that are both leaving. Reed Marnie was absolutely fantastic for Parramatta, and, and probably the difference, just um, his timing on both his try assists and uh, when he picked to um, put players through holes, he was fantastic, and Papa e was um, was brilliant again. Um, all his carries were important, I thought. Um, they were the two best. Uh, Sean Lane continues to have a really good year. He was unlucky not to maybe score a try or two, including potentially the first one for old Gumpy. Uh, and Sivo's uh, back in a bit of form too. Uh, but uh, it was a typical Parramatta performance. I don't know what else this game told us that we don't know. Barney? Yeah, no, you're 100% right there. Man. I thought the Warriors were super impressive for that, especially the first 20 minutes. I I thought they could have been up by two or three tries in that first 20, 25 minutes because they were all over Parramatta and somehow Parramatta ended up in front. But, um, yeah, the Warriors were really good. Their pack was tremendous, as you mentioned. Um, a couple that you didn't mention, I thought Tavanga and Egan were really good as well yeah. in the middle. Um, but the, the ones you did mention, they were easily the best, Aiken, Tahu and Vanilla Blake. They were fantastic. Um, Montoya, I thought, was good again. Uh, that shot on poor old Gutho. Mm. <laughs> Made him bring up his, uh, his leader of water that he had before the game. But, um, he was uh, he was up and about and he was putting shots on and um, really good ball carries as well. Uh, part, you know, had a couple of errors in his game, but that's that's him. Parramatta's pack sort of worked well as a pack, but they, there was really no standouts apart from Papa Lee that you mentioned. Um, I thought Oregon Kafusi off the bench made really good impact. Um his last couple of games have been Tends good. To, yeah. And um, yeah, just I, I really like that signing from the Sharks as well. Actually, if he comes across next year in, on the bench, there I'd imagine a big body. He's, he's, he's done pretty good ball in hand, so looking forward to that one. Um, you've mentioned everyone else. I thought Sivo was fantastic. I think mm. he's getting close to back to his best form, and um, he's going to be a handful to deal with the rest of the, the rest of the year. Teams playing Parramatta. Ollie, yeah. Well, the big thing for me for Parramatta, I guess, is, is what you both have sort of mentioned. And it's, as you said, Daggy, Parramatta, I guess, playing a typical performance, which is really their four-pack playing as a cohesive unit and everyone getting good runs on the board and sort of just tiring out um, the team they're up against. But I'd say in this one as well, what was really reflective was purely the difference in class, I guess you could say, between the two sides because the Warriors were up for the game. Their effort was there and everything. But I think purely in the end, what sort of... Um, outdone them was Parramatta's forward pack, which obviously compared to the Warriors is a, a lot stronger. And of course, across the park as well, uh, Parramatta have them there. Uh, but I also thought it was a bit, um, I don't know, a bit of a letdown as well. That, that last 10 Parramatta minutes from Parramatta, let, yeah, yeah. Parramatta let, neglected but, to mention that. Yeah. That was disgusting. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, letting in 12 points, especially when you're a team who I believe they're two points outside of the top four or they're equal fourth. Their for and against is worse than the other teams in that bracket. If there's anyone who actually needed to, you know, 
defend well and to be honest for the rest of the season their defense is going to have to be a big focus for them um i thought that was really i, just I don't think it was coincidence that um the two front rollers and the hooker went off i'm pretty sure they've let in more points than anyone except for the bulldogs if you go and have a look yeah, right. at stats i'm Probably pretty right. sure they're running yeah. second last on points conceded so. i'll check i'll check the ladder now they've before the bulldogs game they were running dead last They've conceded 371 points. The Bulldogs have conceded 391. Oh, sorry, there are two teams who have conceded There's more two points. Down the take, take a yeah, take a. No, oh, no, the Warriors are 463. So. Oh, no, there we go. Warriors, Warriors, Knights. Yeah, but they're right down the bottom. You know, they're in the bottom. They're, they're the bottom four the... or five teams from points conceded, and that's you know when you're running up at the top of the end of the competition, it's a, definitely a worry. Mm, yeah, well, they, they they would have actually been in front of several teams if not for that last. Uh, that, that last spurt, but um, yeah, I mean, what else do we take from this game? Is there, is there anything? Uh, it's the Warriors, they're going to be like, uh, you know, they'll probably put in effort against most teams, but they're, they're very rarely going to win, I would imagine, for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, and, and especially given Reese Walsh apparently won't be playing, so it makes things they a bit didn't trickier. look interested at times in this in the yeah, last and, couple of games, so. and that's the thing people actually neglect to mention when they whinge about him not being uh, in the side, but anyway. Uh, three points, Reed. Two points, Puppy. One point, Torhu. Or, or what do you think? Yeah, I had Papa Lee, then Reed, and then Harris. But Holly can decide. Didn't you just name the exact same? No, he had them other two around. I had Papa Lee and Reed around the other way. Which I'm fine with too. Um, I'd probably have Papa Lee three. Okay. Three, three to Puppy and two to Reed. 54-26. Uh, the Dragons played a good 40 minutes of football and then uh, didn't come out after half-time. Any stats of note, Barn? Nine tries to four. Eight out of nine conversions for the Roosters, four out of four for the Dragons, and one out of one penalty attempts for both teams. 76% completion for the Roosters, 80% for the Dragons. Nine line breaks to four. 50 tackle busts for the Roosters, 31 for the Dragons. Nine offloads to two. Four force dropouts to two. 40-20 from the Dragons, which was a big... Um, Part of the reason that the Dragons were going so well at half-time. Mm. Uh, 291 tackles played 317. Two ruck infringements from both sides and two inside the tens against the Roosters. Two penalties conceded to three. 12 errors to nine. The Dragons had a sin bin. Verrills with 41 tackles. Sua with 35. Radley made 213 running metres and Ramsey made 187. Supercoach points. Mm. <laughs> Yourself? Holly's man with 191 super coach points. Manu. And the big Walker C. And the big C. Myself and Daggy. Um, Walker with 138. And then we had two other Roosters players before you got down to Lomax for the Dragons on 85. Oh, did you see this? Yes, as I watched it with you both. But anyway. <laughs> oh, was that you? Oh, was that you? Joey there? fucking. Yeah, All right. No, that was you. Sorry. The, uh, the <laughs> Jaeger bombs and fireballs afterwards. Erased uh, much of Erased that, that memory. Um, yeah, well, I thought the Dragons were the better team for the, the, the back half of the first half, the back 20 minutes there. And I think a lot of it was obviously um, their effort. But I think as well, the Roosters were looking not horrible, but a, a bit poor and they were a bit ill-disciplined as well. And I thought they were they were on the verge of sort of throwing this game away sort of. Now, I didn't think that the Dragons had put 54 points on them, but I thought the Dragons might have been able to go on with it. But as you said, in the second half, the Roosters just absolutely tore them apart. It's like this flick switched and the backs just decided to 
to run a market. Joey, like the man Joey Marnie, he, he's obviously going to get the three points right. He was taking the piss in two different ways, taking the piss with how good he was playing and took the piss with that beautiful try assist where he, I have no doubt at all, he actually got a cramp but then looked up and would have gone, oh, there's a gap here and just got like, handled the pain for a for a couple of seconds there and it resulted in the Sydney Roosters try but uh, obviously this helps them and their chances of making the top eight and I'm not sure if after halftime the Dragons actually knew they were actually in a, in a game that might decide whether they make the eight or not because they went on to concede lots and lots of points but I just thought overall the performance from the Roosters I'd say um, the, the backs dominated in attack and you, Manu's and Tedesco's, I'd say, really controlled the game, and it just looked like Park Footy by the end of it. It just, it honestly looked like a bit of a training one run for the Roosters. Obviously, um, Taukeaho, what he fractured his eye socket or something. Yeah. Um, obviously, a big. Um, it, it didn't impact him in this game, but it's obviously a big one for the Roosters with how good he's been playing this year. But overall, um, there's not too much else I think I can really say about this one uh, other than that flick just sort of switched for the Roosters and they just went absolutely crazy. Any switches you want to flick, Barney? (laughs) Well, the Dragons were competitive, as you mentioned, for the first half. Um, They played decent footy. Physically, they were matching the Roosters, but Tony Hunt got tired in the second half and couldn't carry the the team anymore, basically, is what happened. Um, Because he... The holes all sort of started in and around him, to be honest. Uh, he wasn't moving properly and the defence just fucking... He's been ca- ca- covering covering so many blokes in, this year and he just couldn't do it in the second half. Um, he was walking by the end of this game, but you know, he's played Origin the night before and started start on the Wednesday, so you can't blame the bloke. Uh, their defence just absolutely fell fucking pieces, especially in and around the ruck. Because um, that's where Manu... Was doing all these doing all these destruction through in and around the ruck there on either side of the dummy half and just carving them pieces, and they just had nothing. They could not lay a hand on him, and then he was just if he wasn't scoring tries himself out of dummy half, he was passing it off to someone else to score. Um, yeah, there was some some costly injuries obviously for both teams, uh, but yeah, once the Roosters they upped the tempo about ten minutes into the second half and. Dragons couldn't go anywhere near him. Thought uh, Hunt, Bird, and Sewer tried hard, and they were okay. Ramsey was really good again, as was Lomax. They were their best players. Uh, I thought Connor Watson actually added a lot of spark to this Roosters team when he came. He on. turned. I know that. I know his try was untouched and, to be honest, quite soft. But he st- he got him going forward pretty yeah, well. Up and out of dummy half and um, yeah. you know, drawing defenders and causing some um, some holes on the outside there for for his outside men. Um. Verrills was good in defence. He's still got to work on his attacking game a little bit, but he, he was good. Uh, Radley, Crichton and Walker were all fantastic. Omorowski probably had his best game in Roosters' colours, and, and Teddy was Teddy, you know, whenever there was an opportunity, he died by it. But I thought the three... It was the Manu show. Yeah. The three that backed up for Origin were all very good. Obviously, didn't have to do as much as Ben Hunt did, but um, I thought they all... You're impressive playing 80. Uh, remiss of me, the one I did miss earlier. Remiss of me not to mention Billy Smith, his third ACL in three years, I think. Uh, thoughts with him, that that sucks. Um, I think we move on. Uh, Dragons, yeah, Sully's a massive out. 
Uh, he, well, yeah, they lose a lot of attack, like you said. And um, I don't think we need to really worry too much about them for the remainder of the year. Um, look, Roosters will be building nicely if if you knew what was going to happen with the forward packet, but I think it's a real concern now losing the two key forwards there. Absolutely. Um, well, three to Joey. How do you want to split these rest up? Two to... I had Radley and Teddy. But... Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Manly put the brushes, as they say, through the nights, 42-12 to 12 at Four Pines Park. Uh, Barn? Another game. Knights were in the game for a fair bit early in this game, but just couldn't keep up with Manly when they upped the tempo. They had seven tries to two, six out of seven conversions, played two out of two, and a penalty, one out of one penalty attempt for Manly. 88% completion, played 79%. 160-plus post-contact metres, 12 line breaks to two. 40 tackle busts for Manly, 27 for the Knights, 16 offloads to seven. 274 tackles played, 344. Two ruck infringements against Newcastle, one inside the 10 against Manly. Four penalties conceded to five, eight errors to 11. And a Simbin to Newcastle. Crocker with 35 tackles, Braley with 41, Garrick with 233 metres, and Ponga with 200. Garrick with 122 super coach points, Saab with 121. DCE with 111, and then you had five other Manly players before you got down to Ponga on 69. Thoughts? As I said, I thought they looked okay for 15 minutes, but uh, Manly took control of the ruck. Uh, DCE did what he did on Wednesday as well. Kicked early, turned them around, put them back down there and made them work out of their own um, in-goal line. I thought Newcastle's forwards were good enough at doing that, but their outside backs got crunched every time they tried to take the ball up on their own, which obviously was a plan for Manly. Manly's defence never really looked challenged either. Um, they spread the ball early when they were in their own end and um, sort of carved up the outside edges of the Knights. It was, it was a pretty dominant display, realistically, considering Knights played better than they have for quite a while. Um, I thought the Saifidi brothers were okay. Fitzgibbon and Braley were decent again, as they have been for you know, most games they've played this year. Clemmer and Ponga, Clemmer and Ponga were easily the best Newcastle players. They tried their arse out, but you know, they could only get as far as they could get. Croker was really good again for Manly. Um, he's been solid as for probably the last two years in hooker for this Manly side. Mm. Davy and Bill and Walker were strong in and around the ruck, causing a few problems. Saab's best game for a while. And the outside backs, Cooler and Harper had a had a bit of a day out, actually getting nice, clean early ball and getting in and around their defenders. Ola Kawatu was really good again, but um, Garrick and DCE were the standouts. They were brilliant. What the hell is the go of Josh Schuster? He came into this year as one of the most spruiked players. Played like 10 minutes. Came back, then came back, um, wanted this 5'8 spot, signed a new contract, this and that. And he's been, he's been lucky to play 15 minutes for a game for the last, since he's been back. What, but is the fitness, is he carrying something or is it just that he's just a not fit a fellow? I don't know if he's just carrying an injury or not, but he's it's nowhere near match fit. No. That. And yeah, it's, um, I don't know if he's just not looking after himself. He's sort of kicking stones a bit because uh, Warren's playing so well or what it is. But yeah, there's, there's definitely something going on. It's not really the way to paint yourself, cover yourself in any... um. Sort of ambition. Um, if you want to be six next year, no. Ollie, any thoughts from this? 
I have to agree with you guys. I'd say overall the the big star of this one was DCE backing up from origin. Um, just what he was able to do with the ball in hand. And I'd say his kicking game, it was a an absolute masterclass. A lot of people, will, um, I guess, been comparing him with one uh, chin of Penrith, Nathan Cleary, when it comes to the Australian. Oh, don't get the Penrith fan started. Well, Cleary, well, Cleary's obviously his biggest asset um, is his kicking game and his kicking performances. Well, if anything, this was a Cleary-esque performance here from DCE proving he can that do was it. That was a DCE and, performance um, like it was on Wednesday night. Yes, we, we have <laughs> seen – yeah, give the bloke some credit. Like, no, 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 I'm just saying it, it's very um, similar to the people who I guess – like game was a million times give, better than Cleary's give, on Wednesday and it was a million times better on the weekend as well. But a lot of people, the reason why they'd have Cleary over Cherry Evans these days is because of his kicking game. But uh, Cherry Evans can do it too. And this was the latest – of examples for that. And I think other that, yeah, definitely get Garrick and um, Jason Saab looked like he did for what uh, part of season 2021, just an absolute machine with the ball in hand, a speed demon and didn't make an error, didn't drop a ball, which um, good on him. DC just doesn't have the bomb that Cleary's got. I think he's probably got a better long kick game than Cleary and his short kick game is just as good. Yes. Yeah. just doesn't have that knuckle bomb. And look, you can, uh, and I, it's actually underrated what a good running halfback he is too. And I know he's smaller and Cleary and all the rest of it, but he picks really good times to run, uh, and and does get, um, isn't afraid to get hit. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Manly keep building. Like Manly are now steamrolling towards um, not missing the eight really. Yeah. I, th- I think the the gap's starting to open. But uh, an interesting few rounds ahead to decide that that eight spot now, uh, and their forwards look like they're they've found a rhythm where they were non-existent for uh, a middle period of the season so far. Um, three points DC, two points Garrick, uh, one point Saab. Anyone? Bad Kawatu again, just doing what he does every other week. But for once, that's fine. No, Ollie. Yeah, let's go with Ollie Kawatu. Okay. He's damaging again, but he's got to try as well. So. Yeah, yeah, he did too, as you forecast. 16-12, uh, very good, very tough, good game of footy uh, Saturday night. Brisbane prevailed against uh, one of the better Titans efforts of the year. Uh, some stats, Barn and Ollie, you can give your thoughts. thought the Titans were unlucky not to get this one. Mm. Uh, two tries to three, two out of two conversions to the Titans, two out of three for the Broncos. 80% completion, played 86% for the Broncos. Five line breaks for both teams. 57 tackle busts for the Titans, 34 for the Broncos. 10 offloads to 11. Five force dropouts to two. 340 tackles, played 363. A ruck infringement from both teams. Two inside the 10 against the Titans. One penalty conceded by the Titans. Five conceded by the Broncos. 12 errors to six. Booth made 42 tackles. Hoskins with 35. Brimson with 250 running metres. Tessie New with 241. Aaron Clark with 84 supercoach points. David Fafina with 75. And Mo with 71. And you didn't mention it, but Mo Fodawaker, 189 running metres uh, in just under an hour. And actually just looking further best. down. Absolutely. Tino, 153 metres in 29 minutes. Uh, isn't it amazing what happens when a good forward back turns up? Alleged good forward back. Ollie. 
Well, I wanted to to make a joke that um, for feed I had an amazing game, Jojo. That is, but he's um, I believe their cousin, possibly the some relation, but I believe the other one had a, a good game as well. Old Sarge, old classic, uh, David Fafita there. And you know what? From the Titans, overall, this has probably been the most complete performance we've seen from them this season, I think, in terms of uh, just the the form that we saw out of a range of players. It wasn't just um, con- confided to uh, Tino or Mo or Bo Firma. There was actually, a- across the park, for most of the players, a really good performance. I mean, he didn't really run the ball much, but I was impressed with um, Aaron Booth's defensive effort. I thought um, he's definitely an option for the Titans going forward. Um, And yeah, but the worst thing about this whole thing is the bastards gave me hope. (laughs) By the end of this game, I actually thought they could win and I was actually invested. Now for the majority of it, I was just happy Brisbane to come back in with the Titans at the early lead and such. The Titans never let you down. They'll, they'll flop second half, whatever beauty Brisbane will put 40 on them. Happy days, but no, they, they had to give me hope. And by the end of it, I was up for the first time in since what the, the first week of the finals in 2021, actively cheering for the Titans and having hope, um, of a victory really happening there. So, so that was nice. But at the end of the day, um, the old Broncos prevailed and I thought a, a, a pretty complete performance from them. I don't necessarily think they, they were off too much or something to be only beating a team in the bottom four by four points. As a, we mentioned, the Titans probably stood up more than a drop off from the Broncos at all. I thought they were great. I thought they were uh, amazing in attack, especially their backs just, um, the meters they were able to gain throughout the the game as well. And I, it was weird. I actually thought this one was really tight. Like th- there's not too much to separate these two teams in terms of the performance we saw in this one. Maybe that's a bit of my Titans bias coming into it, but I was happy with the effort. Do I think it's going to continue beyond this week? Probably not. The Bulldogs will probably put 40 on them and we'll be back to square one. But I'm, I'm at least proud of that performance. Yeah, I thought it was probably the Titans' best performance of the year, um, if not close to it. But execution just let them down. They, they split Broncos on numerous occasions. Um, some Broncos' worst, probably their worst defensive performance of the year with 57 missed tackles. But um, I think that more came down to the new combinations out of the Titans with AJ and um, well, add AJ in there and um, you know some really committed running. Uh, contributed to the Broncos missing that many tackles. But but the Titans looked really dangerous, ball in hand for the majority of this game. Uh, Aaron Clark at 13 was a master stroking Mm -hmm. every bit of a 13. Uh, He's running the ball really hard. He had some really nice service as well. You can obviously, he's being a hooker. His passing game was quite good as well, which he set up. um, I think he put AJ away a couple of times and um, it was probably Sexton's best game of the year. AJ at fullback was just, he was back to his absolute best. It's obviously his position. Uh, what happens with Campbell? Obviously, I think he's been named this week in the team, but AJ looked like lightning at fullback in this game. 
the Broncos attack was decent again. I thought Gamble sort of came in and played that second 5-8-13 role and played it pretty well there for the... I think he was only on there for about half an hour, but I thought he was pretty good when he was, when he was on there. It seemed to work. Um, Aaron Booth and Sesofeo Fafita were... I thought they had brilliant debuts. Like for those two, to, you know, that's their debut game. I think Booth, it was it was Booth's Titans debut, wasn't it? Yeah, he played for yeah, Melbourne last played year. Played for Melbourne. It was Fafita's debut, and they were fantastic. Aaron Booth tackled his ass off, and Fafita looked dangerous, like constantly. They, they they started looking worried every time he touched the ball at the back end of this mm. game. Um, he's got some really good footwork, and he runs the ball extremely hard. So I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Joloff and Tino added a huge amount off the bench. Um, Jamin Joloff was fantastic. And Tino, obviously, um, if he had a few more legs under him, he probably would have pushed him to a victory in this game. But having cut off the back of origin, probably not. <sighs> Great. I've already mentioned Clark and AJ. I thought Mo and David Fafita were very good. Mam, Pereira and Reynolds were all good for the, for the Broncos. Palacia. Ricky and Kennedy were the best of their forwards, and Tessie New was really good again. Uh, young Hoskins was their best player, and I don't think he's getting a start this week. No, he's not. Uh, obviously, with the players coming back that they've got, but uh, I thought he was man of the match, in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I game the Titans probably should have won. Lovely. Um, hey, Ollie, you're the 3-2-1. Oh, I want to give AJ three. I don't know. Is this bias coming into that's? I didn't even have AJ as a point to be honest. Really? I know he split him apart. He was, scoring, he was tearing him apart, but I think that was off the black Clark. Um, I gave Hoskins a three. I thought he was man of the match. I had Clark, he was tremendous, and he was the one. I think he created a lot of AJ stuff, and then that's Mo true. was back to his absolute best. I, you know, and they don't get those opportunities without Mo smashing it up. Hmm. All right, we. I'll give you. I'll give you Hosking because I feel like the winning team as well should probably. And he, it was great uh, for Brisbane. Uh, Hosking, AJ Clark. Where you want to go? Up uh, that. That's how I'd like to go if I've got a compromise. No Aggie, any? No, uh, as long as Mo's getting a point, that's fine. Oh, Ooh. so no, Mo's been pushed out. No, nah, well, I'll give you Mo. Mo. <laughs> I'm stepping back in with with Barney here. Right, swap Mo for Clark. Oh no, get out of here! Right. Three to Clark, two to Hosking, one to Mo. Let's move on. No, oh, do we have to? Eighteen sixteen, Penrith defeated the Tigers. Come on, we got to clear that up. It's... <laughs> Hosking three, give yeah. Clark two, and give Mo his one. All right, no way. Very good. All right, <laughs> talk about the Tigers game. How, how the fuck did the Tigers not win this game? Seriously. Uh, 16 points to 18. Three tries for both teams. Two out of three conversions for the Tigers. Three out of three for the Panthers. Uh, missed two-point field goal attempt. 85% completion for the Tigers. 74 for the Panthers. Five line breaks to nine. 34 tackle bus for the Tigers. 47 for the Panthers. 17 offloads to 10. One force dropout by the Penrith. 325 tackles played, 387. Uh, three ruck infringements against Penrith. Zero inside the 10s. Seven penalties conceded to six. Six errors by the Tigers, 12 by Penrith. Hastings made 41 tackles. Kenny made 54. Offer Hengawi with 172 running metres. Edwards with 242. Uh, kick out with 100 super coach points. Fisher Harris with 89. Targo with 81. And Dewey with. 80. Um, 
because they're not very good is why how they lost. Uh, that said, they they had two. This was um, Penrith's worst performance of the year, obviously. But um, absolutely, they had two tries disallowed, uh, and yeah, they. What do you say? We spend more time talking about the Tigers than any other team on this podcast. I'll just quickly say, everyone raves about the Panthers' depth. Like, yeah, I know they won, but they weren't impressive. Um, if they had, a, like, if they had even a a decent last tackle option in the first half, they should have been leading by a lot at half time. But um, Tigers' line defense was good. Uh, I <laughs> let's be honest. It, they're carrying Luke Brooks. It's simple as that. They're, I'm not quite sure what his role is in this team. And now they're trying to play all three. They've, they've pushed he Hastings to lock. He had the seven on his no, back. He and had no idea he, what he was doing. And then he ended up playing centre for most of the second half. Which, you know, fucking put him at centre. If that's what you can do, who cares? Um, but but there's no coincidence the second half when Hastings played seven, essentially, and um, Dewey played six. It was when Tigers looked their best for, what, that 20 minutes or so. Um the last tackle options from Brooks himself when he was the chief playmaker were poor at best. Um, actually, I realised it was Hastings only kicked the one that was a try. Yeah, there you go. Um, Dewey's boot was all right. once he fought, It took him a while to get his radar right, but it was all right after that. Um, I still don't. It's mind-boggling that um, they they aren't at least going to try the obvious combination. Uh, the well, he's th- still probably three or four weeks away from being match fit, and he was close to your best player on the field. I thought he was, yeah. Plenty of tackle <laughs> bus, looks strong. Um, but ultimately, with Hastings playing lock, it means your forwards are all working a bit harder. That said, he led the run metres and led the tackles, so it's not like yeah, he was trying. Um, but uh, it took Joff out of the middle of the field, which potentially saves that last try. But, um, you know, that's easy to say. Uh, still think Laurie. I don't think anyone was stopping Fisher. I don't. <laughs> no, I agree. I'll get to Penrith. Um, I I don't think Laurie's been anywhere near his best, to be honest no, with you. Definitely not. Um, been no. far from it. Uh, and Pole and and Tomat Tamo were good off the bench again. Uh, yeah, Penrith, a little bit quiet compared to the first two weeks, but they were good. Uh, Penrith. Uh, look, they won the game when Fish Harris came back on. They were going nowhere for a long time in that second half. Fish Harris came back on and got them going again, including the match-winning try. Um, I think he was the difference, really. Uh, Dylan Edwards, as we sort of suggested, ran lots and lots of metres and was fine, um, but they lacked a, the usual attacking spark, which I guess is going to happen when your whole team's not playing. Uh, he kick came out, in and played six for a big part of this game because I thought Kurt yeah. Bowles, Bowles went missing badly in this match. Absolutely. Um, Sorensen was pretty good off the bench at times. Uh but they'll, they'll obviously benefit from having everyone back. They got their shit game out of the year, and you know what? They've gotten that far through um, this rep period with every single I think every single player bar Edwards playing reps, and I imagine he's due a rest at some point, old Dylan. Not that he might want one, but um, to get through undefeated, I don't think many teams achieve a lot uh, So in their standing in the game. So kudos to them. Um, eight points clear on a ladder. It's Penrith. We might touch back on them um, after I get your thoughts, uh, Ollie. Yeah, well, I agree. I think Penrith's well and truly gotten to the bottom of the barrel in terms of their depth. It's not that the depth's bad, but if they'd lost pretty much any players more than this, well, I mean, if Fisher-Harris doesn't play, obviously, based on how the game went, they don't, they just don't win. So Penrith really have sort of hit the bottom of that barrel, and it was... I guess the um, 
the regular first graders that were there who sort of stepped up and uh, managed to keep them in the game and get them home. We, we mentioned the meters that Dylan Edwards run. The difference maker overall was indeed Fisher-Harris. I think he was Penrith's best. Kick-out, I thought, had a, a decent game too. So, you mentioned Sorensen off the bench, and I thought uh, I'd br- bring him up as a regular, a regular first grader usually for Penrith, Mitch Kenny as well. I thought probably overall his best performance of the year as well. So those were the standouts for me for Penrith. But uh, Jackson Hastings, of course, ended up playing a lot of half, but I think was still had a, a great game overall despite being named at, at lock. Should never have happened and it shouldn't happen again with that Tiger set up. But he's, he's proven he can do still do a job for him. So that's good. And I thought uh, Joe Offangiawi as well. For the Tigers, he's, actually really, really, uh, yeah, he's having a great under, year under. and he, he had a great game as well, especially mentioning the likes of Fisher-Harris and Kikau, who were really good. At he matched him, yeah. I think there's only been two or three games this year where we haven't mentioned off and and they were early in the season. He's been fantastic for the majority of this year. Yeah. He should actually, yeah, you'd think he goes close to winning players player if they've got any brains inside the yeah, game. Yeah, he'd be my yeah. vote for the Tigers this year. Uh, Barney, your thoughts on the game? As I said, I thought it was a tough watch. The game was uh, it was pretty hard to watch, to be honest. Uh, Penrith had all the position and field possession early, uh, and you know all the ball, all possession and field position early in this match, and they couldn't really execute. They, you know, balls hit the ground, went passes behind people, simple errors. Um, the Tigers were good early. The first twenty minutes or so, they were upbeat. They were full of energy. They were covering that Penrith. Um, even in their defence on their own line, they were getting up off their line and sort of hustling and Penrith, which was good. But um, once they sort of settled down, they didn't seem to have any real direction. Um, there was indecision and in who was going to take the ball and kick it, who was going to run it, where the ball was actually meant to go, and that led to Hastings and Dewey just fucking tucking it under the arm and running the ball themselves, which. Um, <laughs> At times it was good, but it, it disrupted the, the flow of their attack quite a bit. Um, as you mentioned, they just pushed Brooks wider and wider and wider, and they seemed to get their sort of flow towards the back end of the game. They were in front; they should have hung on. Um, fuck, they can bomb some tries. Uh, just like um, Philip Sammy in the Titans game, I forgot to mention him. Fuck that bloke can bomb a try. Like, I think he's bombed more tries than anyone this year. <laughs> just over the line and just drops a fucking big goal. Maybe but, you should move to the Tigers. <laughs> That'd be nice. Shut up. <laughs> the yeah, Tigers, yeah. they get themselves half, in really good positions and then just do some stupid shit. Um, if, yeah, how many get. It has to be at least seven or eight times on this show we've said, how did the Tigers lose this game? And but you, you win even half of them, the coach still has a job and, you know, they are running 10th, but anyway. It was barely sided, as I said, just got pushed wider and wider. I wasn't really involved in anything, whereas on the other hand, like Dewey and Hastings were involved in every one of the Tigers' points. Like, just put them together and fucking see how the shit works. Has, it has that was to, the plan at the start of the year, wasn't it? Like, just, oh, who knows? It has to be a board decision that they've said we're playing the Black 900. fuck it is needs to be... Fucking booted out of their position and fucking removed from the club because they've got no fucking idea what they're doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought Tamo and Garner were good uh, again. And Tuolagi actually, he's uh, peaked his form the last couple of weeks. Yeah. He had a really ordinary run there for quite a while, um, but he, he's come good again. Often go Junior Tupu. He looks like a, someone you guys want to make sure you sign soon because he looks like a really good winger. Yeah, uh, 
going forward. He, he's you know he's big, he's strong, he can jump, he's athletic. So um, I'd be if I was had anything to do with Tigers, I'd be making sure I signed him up quick, smart. Julian Hastings were, by, were easily the Tigers' best. I thought O'Sullivan, out of the Panthers, the ones that you didn't mention, but the only two I've got here are O'Sullivan and Leota, who I thought were good again. They were fantastic, but they more than did their job. Oh, sorry, and I want to give Charlie Stain the right. Actually, yeah. Yeah, James Fisher-Harris, three points, kick out two, and Dewey with one. Yeah, hard to argue that. With that. I'm just asking... Oh, sorry. Anything? Go on. No. Just lastly on Penrith. Um, obviously, minor premierships, them and theirs, um, them and theirs, all theirs. Uh, <laughs> is, is the competition over? Or anything else is. Uh, I think you'll get a good idea over the next three weeks. Um, obviously, I think they may have... Uh, they may have an upset in them in the next week or two. Just the fact that they're coming back from origin, a little bit of a hangover there over the next couple of weeks. But come finals time, they'll be up and cracking and it's going to be thick. It's going to be hard to beat. Well, I'm sort of the, the same opinion, I guess, that Gump said uh, on the review show last week is that there, there are, and, and it is possible people saying, oh, Penrith might get pipped here or there. There might be a twist, but Penrith could also just keep winning and win the comp. And that's probably what I'm tipping right now. I can't see anyone beating them in in a game, to be honest. The romantic in me, uh, I think there's still a twist in the tail. I don't think it's that obvious, but I don't. I, 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 someone can ruffle them and beat them, but it, I think they've got all the traditional teams covered. I think they'll beat Cowboys or Melbourne are gone. Don't worry about Melbourne. Uh They'll beat Brisbane. I think it'll be a para. Um, someone like a para, if, if they're going to lose. And not saying para win the comp, but will cause them headaches. But just by being different and something weird going on and just being a real shit fight of a game. Maybe South even in, to a lesser extent if they're at their absolute best. And maybe... I would have been real bullish on Easts, but I don't think they can do it with, without those two Fords. Um, but anyway, like I said, I maybe sometimes I just make this shit up. I'm a shark supporter, but I'm tipping the sharks this week. I think um, that, might, that, that, that that's a team that might. That's what I'm saying. That might. It's a team that that might do suit. play expansive football. Yeah. Um, they they can sort of match it in the middle, and I'm expecting the sharks to use this as basically their tune-up game for the finals. They'll be all out over this week and next against South, and then they'll probably just taper off coming back towards the finals. So yeah, I expect the sharks to be putting in massive effort in the next two weeks. Well, time will tell. 20 to 16. Speaking of Melbourne being gone, Melbourne are gone. Uh, Canberra <laughs> beat them. Uh, and, and with all honours, Canberra are good. Canberra were good. They're very strong, especially in and around the edges of the field. Do you want to do some stats or do you should I just keep Three going? tries apiece, two out of three conversions for Melbourne, three out of three for the Canberra, and one out of one penalty attempts. 80% completion played, 78%. 42 tackle busts for Melbourne, 30 for Canberra, 14 offloads to six, one force dropout for Canberra, 312 tackles played, 333, five ruck infringements against Canberra and one inside the 10, eight penalties conceded from both teams, 12 errors from both teams and a send in for Canberra. Grant made 42 tackles, Fogarty made 38, Meany with 188 running metres and Sebastian Chris with 174, I think 94 of them were from the intercept. Hughes missed six tackles. Um, 
I believe that he's tackling now. Munster with 84 super coach points. Elliot with 82. Kenny Bromwich with 82. Um, we can keep going. You're right. Well, they came out flying in the first five or ten minutes. Melbourne, it looked like it was going to be a carve-up. They were really crisp. Pappenhausen was chiming in brilliantly. Munster was dummying left, right, and dummying to the ref, to the side, fucking linesman running himself, and Canberra were buying all these dummies. Um, <laughs> he looked extremely dangerous in that first ten minutes or so. Um, and if it wasn't for the said. Chris intercept there at, on the 10-minute mark or whatever it was, I think Melbourne probably do. If they score there without Chris taking that intercept, um, it could have been a completely different game. But that that intercept took all the momentum out of the storm and then Canberra were able to just set up a platform and play through the middle with their forwards, which caused a lot of problems for Melbourne because their forwards have been nowhere near as good as they have been in previous years. Um, the Raiders sort of slowed it all down put it in the grind. Um, Pappy snapping his knee in half was pretty much the end of Melbourne's attack for the night. They uh, they looked like they had no answers in attack. And it ended up being Munster and Hughes just running the ball themselves to try and score points um, at the back end of this game because they didn't sort of have anyone on the, end, on the back of their attack to, that was helping them out. <laughs> um, the Raiders played more direct and they were really aggressive again, which is obviously their game to a T. And they, they just were a lot more aggressive than the Storm. Uh, a couple of individual efforts from the Storm were the only reason that they sort of got close. You know, the, the Hughes try all off his own bat and, and Harry just did the show and go from dummy half and they, they were the only way they got points. But the, Storm, the Raiders just kept chasing and chasing and they stayed in the game. Obviously, the try from young Schiller in the corner with a highlight where he grubbers through himself and runs around the, the post to score in the corner. That was the match winner at the end of it. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they were really tough and they hung on in that last 10 minutes. And um, you could make arguments that perhaps it should have been 12 on 12 for a while then in the middle. Um, but let's not talk about consistency with Melbourne and Penrith are involved, shall we? Um, Fogarty's kicking was pretty good. At times, um, I believe his high balls, uh, his best game in green, I thought, and made Absolutely. him struggle. Um, you mentioned if Melbourne forward struggling, but their backs, especially losing Pappenhaus, and exposed the edges, and they're just not very good. They're just um, barely. Well, I say barely. They're just standard first grade players, and uh, I thought the Canberra backs outplayed them. I thought Tomoko was strong and fast. I thought Seb Chris, uh, he has these these games once a month uh, when he plays, and. He was impressive, and Schiller, he looks a real talent. Like, produced not just the try, but a couple other real nice uh, runs throughout. I thought he was very good. Um, good signs, and everyone just re-signed him also. If you're Canberra, you know, they're, they're going to be in and around the mix next year again. They'll be, I imagine, the same team, to be honest. Uh, and uh, you've touched on all the key, the key Melbourne th- uh, components. Uh, who else do, do you not mention? Nelson's been good. In almost been a single-handed forward month, for, yes. for the last month. Uh, doesn't miss too many tackles, and his runs all count. So, um, what do you do with Melbourne? I wouldn't. I'm seriously. I've got 20 minutes to decide, but I, I dare say I probably won't even tip him against South. But we'll see how that what comes out of my mouth when I get to that point, Oliver. I think Nelson in particular. We we bring him up for his individual effort. I'd say probably for most of this year has actually been really good just sort of gone under the the radar a little bit i'd say um 
old Nelson there for Melbourne. But I, I thought as well as Canberra's edges just absolutely dominating Melbourne's, which I'm not actually sure if I said it last week. I remember thinking about it on last week's show, but imagine if you just swapped Melbourne and the Dragons center wing combinations like those players like melbourne would be a much better team i have to think and the dragons would probably be bottom four but um i agree with that yeah i, I just think that they were very poor and um but on top of canberra's great performance on on their edges i thought joe tarpany as per usual i think stood up and had a really good performance um and i thought adam elliott was strong as well for them so um mainly one in the edges definitely but i'd say that those couple of forwards had a, had a big performance uh for canberra as well i don't get a suspension of the game too and we don't mention him a lot but you don't find many blokes that try harder than jordan rappiner <laughs> if you could um if you could you know find blokes that to play for your team particularly my team you'd be a much happier fellow a lot of weeks tough he's aggressive yeah he's doesn't like good. losing um well, and Savage is just starting to just like it, it's starting to feel at home for him now. He, um, I think the only one we didn't mention from Melbourne was Kenny Roberts. He was good as well. Um, didn't he break his leg last? Week? Remember what what happened the other week? <laughs> no. He got like carted off. It looked like he got shot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. but uh, uh, there weren't really any huge standouts for the Raiders apart from probably Schiller and Chris who did some individual efforts there. But um, as a as a team, they did their job really well and. Um, Tapani and Elliot were their best two players. Elliot's been in a huge run of for the last probably what six to eight weeks when he got a start and spot there, and then he's been back and forward off the bench. But he's been putting in a massive effort week in and week out. Yeah, big pickup for Newcastle, who sort of been putting together a decent squad next year, whatever that means when they all put on Newcastle Find jerseys. A yeah, I've got one for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be there this year. Well, apparently they. Let's not talk about him again for the rest of the show. Um, yeah, three points to what do you know? Three Elliot, two. Tarpany. I had Elliot. I had Elliot two Munster and one for Tarpany. I, I yeah, Mun- Munster was. If Melbourne win, Munster was easily there. I thought, yeah, Munster was the best outside, best um, player on the field, but the hard yards through Elliot definitely counted. Um. 36-28, Souths wrapped up the round beating the Bulldogs, who scored much more points than I had envisioned. Uh, the stats, <laughs> what'd they say? Five tries to seven, four out of five conversions played four out of seven. Uh, six line breaks for both teams, 31 tackle bus played 33. 20 offloads to 15, one force dropout from both teams. 345 tackles played 301. One ruck infringement against the Dogs, five penalties to four, 11 errors for the Dogs, 10 for Souths. Jeremy Marshall King, 43 tackles, Totola 33, Perez with 148 metres, and Totola with 201 running metres. Who wants to uh, talk Mitchell, about Latrell? Oh, sorry. Mitchell with 125 supercoach points, Totola with 99, and two other plays, players before you got down to Declan Casey for the Dogs on 75 points. One thing that was, it was really nice to see Ilias score the first try after being concussed the week before and sort of having a few issues in the last month. And um, Declan Casey, he was the dog's best player, I thought, uh, coming off a horror debut against the Sharks a couple of weeks ago. I, I really enjoyed watching that. Um, particularly, the, the nice thing about the Ilias try, and I concur with your thoughts, 
was like he's almost the last point of attack for Souths. So for him to produce something uh, was good on him. Bit of, been a bit of confidence here, and, and hopefully he continues to grow. They've obviously got a lot of stock in him. Uh, Latrell was fantastic. Uh, we might as well just get straight to it. He, they don't win if he's not in the field, but he got them going a number of times. Um, big hits, as, and then a couple of great, uh, not just the, the single-handed try, which was absolutely amazing, um, and I loved, and we'll probably go and watch again after I do this show, um, just to watch the fox fly through the air. Uh, but, um, like, just the ball, even the, the match-winning ball he threw, just um, no look, put it on on his chest, and it was just sensational. So, uh, different team with him there. They're, um, they're still missing a couple of forwards, and obviously Damien Cook. So they're heading the right way, South, and they're a bit of a different unit. I don't I don't know what that means, but Cody Walker's a different player with his mate in the field. I, know, I do know that. Uh, I, know, I like what you said about Declan Casey, but all their backs were good. Karaz was good again. Uh, Braden Burns uh, was pretty tough in defence throughout and, uh, and scored a good try as well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's good signs there for <coughs> for the Dogs um, with with more coming in. They were in this fight for a very long time, Barn. Yeah, um, defence definitely not a priority in this game. Bit of a game to touch footy, really. No. Uh, I've already mentioned Trell. He's as fit and physical as I've seen him uh, in his entire career, so... And, the, yeah, the back line's completely different when he's in there. Uh, the Dogs put on some really nice attack, uh, obviously centred around Burton, but um, they moved the ball really well. I thought Flanagan and Burton were really good. And, yeah, they stretched they stretched Souths. I thought they were probably a better um, halves combination than what Souths had out in the field, mm. to be honest. But, um, they really stretched Souths at times and uh, scored some really nice tries. But they just, they're one of those teams that just seem to make the worst possible error at the worst possible time and they do it week after week they do it three or four times a game and it generally leads to the other team scoring points so and you could see it in this, and it's like when they do that one error the bubble burst and it's, yeah. it's like they just go here we go again it was all the momentum um yeah another really nice touch from Isaiah Tass on the wing there for that try uh, where he tiptoed along the sideline and managed to somehow get the ball back in for a try uh, Vaughan and Jackson, Vaughan, Jackson and King were, were really strong for the, the dogs in the middle. I thought Stimson and Patala Barrett were fantastic off the bench. Yeah. And, um, they actually lifted the tempo when they came on. Flanagan and Burton, I mentioned, I thought they were better than the South halves. Casey was close to their best player on the field, if not the best. The halves were okay for Souths. Um, Cartwright and Arrow were good. Uh, Cartwright looking like a, a pretty handy back rower there, actually. Um, now he's been given some game time. But I thought uh, Keon Kulamatoni was very strong again, but Tola was brilliant in this game. He single-handed. He took on this pack and um, he, he bashed them, really. Uh, he was fantastic in the middle of the field. Ollie? Um, I agree. Yeah, Tola was fantastic. I should have mentioned him. Ollie? Yes, well, I'm quite mad at our good friend, Latrell. Mitchell, because at the start of the year, as you may or may not remember, I tipped him to win the Daly Messenger medal. And um, he went and got himself injured for a while, which essentially ruled him out of that. But the way I've seen him play in the past few weeks, not necessarily to the same extent, but how he sort of, I don't want to use the word carried South Sydney because it's certainly not just been him, but the way he He's controlled the side and brought them back to these winning ways. It, to me, is not too dissimilar from 
a certain fellow who was leading the Daly M Tally and possibly still leading the Daly M Tally um, after they went behind closed doors, and that's Ben Hunt. So in my brainwaves, because of that, if Latrell had never got injured, he would currently be leading the Daly M medal leaderboard and would be winning the Daly M medal this year, and therefore him getting injured makes me look dumb, which uh, I, I don't like it. And especially now that he's coming back and playing well, it's just rubbing it in my face, damn it. So I wanted to get that out of the way. But I'll get to... You're wrong. Zola. Because you are dumb. But um, no, what's happened here is Latrell's gone and... Uh, Latrell's... If, if he'd played a few years, he wouldn't have because there would have been his usual uh, Latrell smoking jacket games. But he's gone away. He's invested... They've invested money in him. He's come back and now he owes them something. And now he's can set himself to have this 10-week run where he goes, if I step up for... If I treat these as 10 origins... They're going to win most games, and I think that's why you're seeing this. Any look, whatever he might still get eighteen. I was going to say, points, but I he, think yeah. I think this is a much more concentrated, distilled version of Latrell than we would have got across a season. Thoughts, David? Tell me why I'm right. <laughs> yeah, as you said, he may just he gets three points for the rest of the season. He'd go close <laughs> come the end of the year. But, um, yeah, no, he's definitely in, in a much better shape than what he was before he got injured. Um, it was, it was uh, sort of, you know, he'd float in and out of games and he'd have one or two big moments. But since he's come back from the US, uh, he's he's having seven or eight really big telling moments game after game. So. You make it to right. Oliver, you're not, you're not that dumb. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. I was going to go cry in my bed after the show if you hadn't have cleared that up. Um Tavita Totola, I'd say go out and say probably his best performance for the year, or at least the, the big standout performance for him this year against the Bulldogs 4-2. I wouldn't say overall were amazing or anything uh, going up against him, but he certainly bullied his way through and was the difference maker in that aspect of the game as well. Um, not too much more really to say about this one. Keon Klong Matungi was probably the other standout, if you will, for South Sydney and the rest of the team just sort of went w- with it. And I think as well, it's sort of a large part of it is Latrell, but sort of that difference in class purely between the two sides as well. High scoring game. South Sydney, uh, I see people sort of complaining that they they still have that um, problem with conceding points. But I'd say really they have the past two years. And last year, I believe they were conceding points a lot of the time as well. And they still managed to make the grand final. So Could Cook and Murray back in the middle, there's 120 tackles. So. Yeah, and I, I, also, <laughs> I also think South Sydney, whilst one of their issues has always been conceding points, they're usually one of the top point scorers against a lot of the, the lower of the table teams. So if they're that try assist from Kula Matangi, that was beautiful. The way he moved up before he got the ball and then the offload back to Walker, that was, yeah. That yeah. Was, and that and, was and again, the troll being back in the sides, just improving that tenfold with their point scoring ability as well and their options. So I'm not tempting them to make another grand final this year, but I think, they, um, I think they're probably safe for the top eight now. They, they seem to me like, sixth or seventh i don't see them pushing for the top four like i've seen a lot of people say purely because of the congestion there right now and the teams above them um before and against as well um but other than that i think they're pretty much safe now yeah um, yeah how are you going to divvy these points up i had trill to Tolo, and then i had um declan casey or call for the one i agree i just don't know which way to go with the one 
Maybe Declan Casey. Yeah, give it a Declan Casey. All right, so uh, that wraps up the review of round eighteen. Have you got a have we got a pop plan of the week, Oliver? Pop plan of the week. I will go with as I'm thinking on the fly. I prepared one for the other two, but I will go with what am I looking? Go to Barney first because I haven't decided one. Okay. Right, yeah, I'm just going to try and pull up stats here. There was someone on the tip of my tongue who had a, I saw. Oh, this is low. Well, my pop plan was Tane Mill because yeah. he had an absolute shocker in a team that won and won quite well. I'm just trying to find his stats here. I want to do it justice here. Yeah, Tane Mill, who played for 80 minutes. Should have done this on my phone because it's easier to read. Yeah, he had, he had five runs for 30 meters, zero line breaks, zero blah blah blah, blah no tackle busts, made eight tackles, missed six tackles, and an error in, in 80 minutes of football. Considering we've wrapped him quite a bit recently, he has been quite good, but he oh, he only played 42 minutes, but he had a shot in this. Uh, I'm going to give it to Kurt Falls because uh, I think a pot plant legitimately may have contributed more to. Oh, apart from his goal, can, he, can kick a goal. Uh, in, which, in fairness, they um, yeah, there was a difference in the end. But um, he's offered nothing in attack and missed almost half his tackles. So he can have a pot plant. You know, it was staring me in the face the whole time. So obvious. Any Dragons player in the second half of that game not named Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt, understandable, tired coming back from origin and also put in a great effort in the first half. So he, he definitely avoids a pop point. Unless he'd like to buy one for what I'm sure he has, a, a beautiful garden. Maybe he can take the rest of the side and put them there. But, yes, the Dragon second half. All right. Have we got a slap? Yeah. Mine goes to whoever the hell is telling fucking the Tigers to keep and Luke Brooks, like surely the time's up now. Like, and this game on the weekend just shows how far done the bloke is. He's not interested in playing for the Tigers. He hasn't been good for a long time. Uh, and they can't keep picking him. If, if someone's there telling him to pick him, he needs to be slapped and slapped and slapped until he <laughs> leaves the club. Slap him to oblivion. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I need to find something else. Uh, Ollie? I'd like to slap the Gold Coast Titans for giving me hope, damn it. I'd like to slap, uh, I'm just going to slap Sean Johnson. Probably a bit of low-lying low fruit as well, but I think the first half in that game, I don't think it was fantastic, and if um, we can slap him back to some of his best form, they'd probably give Para more of a shake there, but maybe I am imagining things there. Have we got a salute? Uh, I will salute. Uh, Tavita Totola, actually, just because... Um, I otherwise would have gushed all over Latrell, um, but he was fantastic and no, uh, underrated. Joseph, Joseph Martin, best performance of the round. It's, I think it's close to the best performance of the year, in my opinion, out of any game this year. Ollie, you can you can also salute the same man. It's fine. <laughs> I thought we all three of us would be. <laughs> well, I, well, it was obvious, obviously. Um, but it's a terror. It's an all-in team salute. We I'm, salute I'm, you, I'm, Joseph Manu. I've only I've only saluted him about ten other occasions this year, but I got to do it again because he's so damn good. <laughs> he's actually it's amazing that he's not a full time five eight because he's actually the scariest five eight in the comp. 
apart from Cameron Munster at his absolute best. Right now, definitely. Right now. Right now. Um, very good, Joey. Awesome to watch. So my yeah, I'll brush my um my outlier one for that loser to Tola. <laughs> Uh, but He's tremendous performance. Um, back to and then um, oh, last salute one Barney for getting us off his deathbed uh, and joining <laughs> us, but also for saluting a twenty to one multi. Uh, he did tip back rollers to score in four different games, and it came to pass. Three different games, three only the three. Games. But yes, so, you know, kick out Ola Patel and um, Papa Lee to all to score at any time, which was nineteen fifty. Lovely. Um, so, well done there, Barn, and uh, that'll wrap yep. up the review show. Uh, check out rugbyleaguemerch.com to get um, all our gear, as well as the uh, team supporter shirts, which have come out this week, uh, rugbyleaguemerch.com. And um, find us on all the socials. I'm not sure how much of this one will make it to YouTube, given we all look like we were about to die. But um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Subscribe, and we'll be back to preview round 19 uh, momentarily. <laughs>